Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Court Today replay on C103. 50% increase in the number of students receiving counselling for mental health problems over the past decade. Almost 12,000 students sought counselling in the last academic year, up from 6,000 in 2010, according to figures which have been compiled by the psychological counsellors in higher education Ireland. Anxiety accounted for half of all referrals last year. President of the UCC Students Union and mental health advocate Alan Hayes says the figures are not surprising. There's a growing awareness of, of mental health so, so students are, are becoming more aware, less stigmatised around mental health in a lot of senses. And also there's this huge pressures linked to social media, uh, personal and family expectations. So, you know, over your academic success, you're, you're really looking at putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. Ruth Morrissey's solicitor says she's been left terribly upset by an appeal of a High Court judgment involving the terminally ill Limerick woman who has cervical cancer. The state claims the agency insists it does not relate to the decision to award Mrs Morrissey and husband Paul 2.1 million euro in damages. Rather, the agency said the appeal is focused on a number of important legal points that could have significant implication for the state. Ruth Morrissey's solicitor, Kian O'Carroll, says she was hoping that this would not happen. She had hoped and had said to me in the last week or so how on a number of occasions that she was very, very hopeful that they wouldn't appeal. The issue isn't so much that they've said that they're going to appeal because any party has a right to do that. I think that Ruth Morrissey has the right to challenge them on what they say is the need to appeal. Her sense is that they want to appeal rather than need to an Irish online construction and home improvement store is set to create 20 new jobs in Cork. The energy store will create the positions over the next two years with a €1 million Euro investment in the company. It currently employs eight staff at its headquarters in Cork. The first ever Ironman event takes place in East Cork next weekend. The main event will be in Yall next Sunday. Gardaí say that a full traffic management plan for Ironman has been posted on www.gather.ie. Road closures next Sunday will affect the greater East Cork area. Gardaí say travel plans will be affected and people need to plan their journey in advance. The N25 Cork-Waterford Road will remain open at all times, but people should allow extra travel time on all routes. Family and friends of Philomena Linnett will gather in Dublin today for her funeral. The mother of Tin Lizzy, frontman Phil Linnett, passed away last Wednesday, aged 88, after a battle with cancer. She was previously a regular visitor to Castletown Bear in West Cork. C103 presenter John Green is putting together a Where the Road Takes Me tribute to her next Sunday. He had interviewed her a number of times and she spoke openly of when she gave birth to her son. What women had to go through in my day by having children out of wedlock, it was absolutely horrendous because of the women who had to part with their babies and now they're going to their graves and they, they've never seen or heard what happened to those children. The children were taken off them. They were put, uh, the, the unmarried mother was put in a, a workhouse like me, battered, beaten, and uh, then they took our babies and they either sold them or whatever. 
The final of the annual over 60s talent competition in Cork last night was won by a North Cork contestant. Retired teacher Nora Mary O'Reardon from Kilbrin sang one day at a time to victory. 14 finalists from all over Cork City and County took part before a full house at the City Hall in Cork. The over 60s organised annually by champion of the elderly Paddy O'Brien. All of the proceeds raised go to the Irish Heart Foundation. The latest sport with McCrew Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 192 Toyota. See McCrewMotors.com. Gaelic Games Cork Senior Hurling Championship season will continue in a preliminary All Ireland quarter final against Westmeath Herlich in three weeks' time. The Prairie Limerick, the two sides who progress to the provincial decider in a fortnight, clear exit the championship this season despite yesterday's win over Cork. Cork manager John Myler says it's a longer road ahead but he's happy to be still involved we're in the tree we're in the next round the preliminary quarter final and um, we face that no three weeks time away from home it's going to be hard it's going to be competitive but we know that like, you know what I mean but look we're back training Tuesday night that's Cork Miners out of the championship having lost by a point to a Clare side who now face Limerick in a Munster final while in ladies football Cork easily accounted for Waterford on a scoreline of 214 to 9 points in the Monster Senior Championship final in Dungarvan last evening. Golf Gary Woodland, the US Open champion, the 35-year-old American, held off more fancied rivals to win the third major of the year at Pebble Beach. Woodland finishing on 13-under after a final round, 69. And he birdied the last hole to beat the world number one Brooks Kepke by three shots in second place. Overall, a good tournament for the Irish. Rory McIlroy, a top 10 finish on 5-under. Graham McDowell in the top 20 on 3-under. Shane Larry garnering top 30 finish with his one under par. You're now up to date on the home of Cork's greatest hits, C103. Oh, I'm wrecked after those stairs. What if I had a cheerleading squad to help me get fit? That's a bit much, but a little encouragement would be great. Download My Life, the app that gives you a single health score. Plus, Irish Life customers can earn points, get rewarded, and now get 50 euro off at Fitbit Charge 3. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. My Life is provided by Irish Life Financial Services. Fitbit offer ends 31st July 2019. T's and C's apply. See irishlife.ie slash mylife. C103 has been informed of the following bereavements. Margaret O'Mahony, Nee Kelly, Ballyfaskin, Ballylanders, County Limerick, passed away peacefully on the 14th of June at St Anthony's Nursing Home, Palace Green. Requiem Mass this Monday at 11.30am at the Church of the Assumption, Ballylanders, followed by burial in Ballylanders Cemetery. Contact Ryan Undertakers, Ballylanders, 062 46647. Bridie Greensmith, Holy Cross Place, Charleville, passed away on the 14th of June. Requiem Mass this Monday at 2 o'clock at Holy Cross Church, burial afterwards in Holy Cross Cemetery. Contact Hawes Funeral Directors, Charleville, 063-89280. Eryesh Degarevshiad. For full details on the obituaries you've just heard, go to c103.ie. Weather. With Curraheen Park Greyhound Stadium for action packed summer nights out, rain or shine. Curraheen Park Greyhound Stadium.ie. Mostly dry day today with good sunny spells, just a few showers. Top temperatures this afternoon 15 to 18 degrees Celsius. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. 
And a very good morning to you. Hoping you all had a lovely weekend and that you're nice and relaxed uh, after it. John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And I want to start with a real positive and it's the picture on the front page of the examiner today. And it's John Moriarty and Lucy Helen, who got married on Saturday and they stopped off at the Long Table event. This was the dinner party event as part of the Clonakilty Street Carnival that we spoke about on the programme on uh, Friday and they're just after getting married in Kilgariff Church and it's a gorgeous photograph of John and uh, Lucy and it looks like that event in Clonakilty was a roaring success and it's the fourth year that they've been doing that event and they managed to all, they seem to have a link with the man above, either that or there is that a Child of Prague statue that isn't put out on the Friday night before the event but well done to all involved and it was good to see that terrific photograph on the front of the examiner today and can I also look for uh, for clarification on something that I saw this go up on Facebook over the weekend and then lo and behold I get an email today to Patricia at c103.ie from Eddie in Maham to say went along to see Nathan Carter live at the Marquee on Friday night. What a show, what a performance. The place was rocking and the band on first were brilliant too. Now thank God I don't drink, says Eddie in his email. 11 euro for a plastic pint of lager. So they're entitled to make a profit. But isn't that exploiting people? Other than that, I really enjoyed myself thanking you. And that's from uh, Eddie. And I saw somebody else at the weekend say that they heard that the price of a pint live at the marquee was 11 euro. And I was thinking it couldn't be 11 euro. And then I saw some other people come and say, no, 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 it's not 11 euro. So our own John Paul was there on Saturday night at Total, which seemingly was a cracker of a concert as well. And he takes an odd few pints. I said, did you ever drink? And he said, I did. And I said, how much was it? He said it was six euro for the plastic pint glass that they, they give you. And they normally sell little bottles you can get the bottles of wine I don't know how much the wines are and then I know because I haven't been live at the Marquis this year I know every other year they do like little gin and tonics or you know vodka and coke or whatever and they do them pre-mixed in, in cans because you know for obvious reasons they can't be handing out glass bottles and uh, and, gla- and glasses to people so it's all plastic and it's usually you know, a little bit more expensive than what you would pay in a bar but everyone accepts that it's a captive audience and there's costs involved and you know as Eddie said they do have to make uh, a profit but I don't know where this rumour is going around that a pint at the marquee is 11 euro because I can't find anyone who went to the marquee who actually themselves paid 11 euro and if they did you'd want to be questioning it because I'm assuming as well that there's a price list when you get up to the counter and they're not charging 11 euro because then John Paul was saying could he have gotten two but he couldn't because if he got two it would have been 12 and again as I say it was 11 euro was the same figure that I saw mentioned on somebody else's Facebook post so if you went along to any of the events live at the Marquis or you are going you're not going to be paying 11 euro for your pint, John Paul tells me, uh, reliably tells me, it is six euro. So I'm glad to clarify that. 1850-333-103. Looking for your thoughts and comments on a story that broke over the weekend thanks to a very, very brave woman, a former Bangarda by the name of Magella Moynihan, one of her own, because she was uh, she's originally from Kanturk. 
and she found herself in the unfortunate position in 1983 of being pregnant while she was a recruit Gardaí and she got pregnant by another recruit Gardaí and the story she told in this documentary at the weekend was absolutely jaw-dropping. It was, it's upsetting if you haven't heard it. You can get it on, online if you want to spend some time listening to it. Uh, even though all of the newspapers have picked up on pretty much everything that Mangella says in the documentary. But it, it's upsetting. It's, it's, it's a tough, tough uh, listen. And I can already see some commentary coming in on this. Michael says, Patricia, today the people of Ireland should be up in arms with the grim reading of a former Garda who was threatened with dismissal. Why? for having a child out of wedlock. You wouldn't see it in a horror movie. The questioning that went on in the force by a shower of old men of a 22-year-old girl at the time about her sexual behaviour and history with another member. The line of questioning was the lowest common denominator. The appalling ordeal that they put that lady through was unbelievably cruel, but it was true. It happened. They destroyed her life forever as they focused on her as if she was the criminal. The public apology from Commissioner Harris is not good enough. It has to be one-to-one and in-person. She is the one whom the Gardaí made every effort to destroy her life and there will need to be drastic punishment for those, and I can't use that B word, but those people if they are still with us on earth and the lady with her man and her son deserve compensation. I couldn't even attempt to quantify how much. Very obviously, they were getting a thrill from their line of questioning of her private and personal life. I wonder if she'd been raped by another member of Angarda Shiakona. Would she have received the same attention with all the blame falling on her or would we have ever heard anything about it? What a shameful history by the so-called guardians of the peace. Another bad day at the office for them. Thanking you. And that's uh, from uh, Michael. And when, as I mentioned earlier when I was speaking with Simon, when this story broke at the weekend and was starting to gain traction, I was assuming when I looked into it that I was going to find out a story from the 40s or the 50s because I was thinking that couldn't have happened in a more modern time. So what made my jaw drop was that this happened in the 80s that this was actually going on a little over 30 years ago. And the story goes that she was, uh, she was a young 22-year-old. Bless her heart, according to hearing on the documentary, all she ever wanted to be was a member of Angarda Shiakona. And she had quite a sad life in that her mother died when she was very young. She was only a baby. And her dad wasn't able to cope with the children. I think there was five children. So they were all put into the orphanage in Mallow. St. Joseph's Orphanage in Mallow and that's where young Magella was raised. But all she ever wanted to be was a member of Angarda Shiakona and she did and she went on and she applied and she got into the Gardaí and one of her proudest days was walking in the gates of Templemore and you could sense the excitement when she was speaking. So she went into Templemore to do her training and she met up with another recruit who, funnily enough, she had had a previous relationship. They had been seeing each other, I think, in Dublin before either of them applied for the Gardaí. Anyway, it was while she was training in Templemore that she became pregnant. Now, she went to, she passed out as a member of Gardaí Shikona and then she went in and told them uh, what had happened. And that's when people turned on her. And she spoke about this aggressive line of questioning by seeing 
senior Gardaí who scrutinised the young woman. Uh, I mean, she was 22. They scrutinised her sexual history. They scrutinised her use of contraception. And then when the night she got pregnant, they weren't, obviously, they weren't using contraception. And it was almost, the line of questioning was almost like, well, well was that you? Did you instigate that? As if she was trying to trap this man into uh, marrying her. It was shocking. And that line of questioning, funnily enough, happened after she gave the child up for adoption, she had a little boy called uh, David. She very much felt she was forced into giving the child up for adoption. There was talk at one stage that she was going to face dismissal. And the reason she was going to face dismissal was that she brought discredit to the force for becoming pregnant and for having a baby out of uh, we- out of wedlock, there was like almost she was charged on she was charged under guard the Shikona regulations of having premarital sex with another guardie. But then there was a second count for having given birth to a child out of out of wedlock. So it looks like you could have sex but don't get caught. And if you get caught and have you have the charge, there's going to be a second charge. I'm assuming that these rules and regulations no uh, longer exist. Anyway, she gave the child, a complete not of fear, she gave the child up for adoption and it almost felt like she was bullied into uh, doing it and then there was still talk of her bringing discredit to the force so she was going to be kicked uh, kicked off and dismissed as a member of Angarda Siakona and it was only for the intervention of the Archbishop of Dublin who heard about the case and he said that if she gets dismissed and people find out why she got dismissed, dismissed that that her, his fear was that that would lead more members of Angarda Siakona to travel to England for an abortion if they became pregnant outside of marriage and of course this was just after the Eighth Amendment so he wanted to do everything in his power to make sure that young women didn't go to to England. So that was the only reason that she hung on to her job and, and she stayed in the Gardaí until 1998 and, and she took she then took uh, early retirement. She did by the way go on to meet her son David. It was in 2017 she was contacted through a social worker to say that her son David wanted to meet, meet. she met and this is what she said of the meeting she said one of the hardest things I ever did in my life was meeting my son I found it very very difficult because I felt that he was angry with me and I had my own pain now as we subsequently heard at the weekend and Michael references there in his text both Garda Commissioner Drew Harris and the Minister for Justice Charlie Flanagan immediately issued statements of apologies to Magella Moynihan uh, and by the way, she was speaking for the first time in that radio uh, documentary. And then a very good friend of Magella's is uh, Susan Lowen, who we've spoken with on this programme. Susan is with the Adoption Rights Alliance. She says the former Garda has been told, has told her her Garda files have gone missing. Records running to between two and 300 pages were released to her. But 50% of them were redacted and I heard that some of the pages were so, there was so much covered up in the, and redacted in the information that she's looking for. She wants to know what they have on file about her at the time. And so much of it that is redacted that there's pages where only her name Magella. That's the odd. Oh, they handed her this to say, well, this is what you can read. They've given her pages upon pages with only her name. Everything else has been. So they do. She doesn't know what under the part that's been redacted, what they were actually saying about her. And Susan Lone said parts of, of the report that she got is just utterly uh, meaningless. She spoke with her solicitors, arranged through the Adoption Rights uh, Alliance. Now, between 2015 and 2016, she was advised that she had a legal right to see more completed documents under the data protection. So the former Garda then 
reapplied for the same files and she wanted them this this time to be disclosed to her in their entirety, citing her rights, what the information she'd got from the solicitor. And guess what? She was taught, sorry there now, Magella, we're really sorry. We can't find your files. They've got lost. Isn't that very, very convenient uh, indeed? And she was asked about the statement of apology from Commissioner Harris and from Minister Flanagan. And Susan Lone said that Magella Moynihan did not regard them as proper apologies. They're statements of apology, but they have no idea what they're apologising for. She said, unless they've been fortunate enough to discover Magella's missing files, even if they've discovered them, she says, I don't believe they could have digested them that quickly. I think they are both, uh, they, they, that they are both in for a very nasty shock when they see the full extent of what has happened. And that's why Magella Moynihan has now come out and is looking for a public apology to a face-to-face apology. And I think the woman deserves a face-to-face apology. And more than anything, I think she needs a bravery award because she has been sitting with this story since, since the age of 22. It has had a huge effect on her. She's gone on to form another relationship which is terrific. She does have another son who's now uh, 21 and her son David would be what now 35. She does have a relationship with her son David which is terrific but it will never be the mother son relationship that it should have been um, at the time if she'd been given a little bit of support I think but it's just it's just such a shocking shocking case and the one thing when I heard about it I wondered was there other members of Angarda Siakona who were treated uh, the same way and it does look like that there are records uh, particularly dating back between 20 and uh, 30 years ago which looks like there could be more cases like and kind of whispering campaigns started about people and I suppose when other young Bangardas as they were called at the time became pregnant when they heard what had happened I suppose to other people like uh, Magella you could understand why it seems some of them made that decision not to go ahead and have their, their children but instead um, went uh, went to England as they would have had to have done at that stage and had abortions. Anyway your thoughts and well your thoughts welcomed on that particular case 1850 John Paul taking the course, you can text our uh, WhatsApp 086 Now coming up uh, also on the programme this morning, we're going to be hearing in a couple of minutes why Carrigaline needs to have a new designated recycling centre. It seems there are two, if you live in the Carrigaline area, there are two places where you can go if you have items that you want to be recycled. But what often happens with the bring sites, I don't know why this happens, but anywhere where you put bottle banks or can banks, it seems to just become a spot where people think it's okay to dump here because it's a recycling centre. I can never understand the logic of people who go to the effort of, and some people go to great efforts to recycle, rinsing out their glass bottles. They're almost spotlessly clean when they bring them along to the bottle bank, rinsing out their cans. And then if they get there, and if God forbid it's full, which can happen, 
they then decide to just leave the bottles and the cans and the bags and whatever else they have and they leave it by the bring site and then of course what happens is people see bags there think it's bags of rubbish and then they'll go and they'll add to it and before you know it and very quickly these spots can become real black spots when it comes to uh, litter so we're going to find out what's going on in Carrigaline and why they need a designated recycling centre we're also going to go live to the Children's Hospital in Dublin and get the very latest from Ashley Maloney the young the, the young Bandon mother who spoke to us last week on the eve of her little daughter Freya Freya's just 14 months and she had a very serious operation last week to remove a tumour and I know a lot of people on Friday were contacting us to find out if we had an update and we did we got a quick update from Ashley to say that Freya had got through the operation and that stage she was in ICU I'm assuming she spent all of the weekend in an intensive care unit so we just want to get the very latest from Ashley as to how little Freya uh, is doing we're also going to chat with Youth Reach in Mallow just to get them to outline what services are available now Youth Reach there's Youth Reach there's Youth Reach I don't know how many Youth Reaches there are around the country but there are a number of them and certainly there are a number of them here in Cork and they were specifically set up for early school leavers so we want to find out exactly what is available as Youth Reach in Mallow I think it's important we talk about it particularly at this time of the year when there's so much focus and attention on the Leaving Cert and the Junior Cert the Leaving Cert I suppose more than anything and people the big scramble for the points and uh, will we get enough points to get to university and it's all about the straight A student and in a number of months time when the Leaving Cert results are out there'll be photographs on the papers of somebody getting nine A's and you know the focus seems to be on that but we know we absolutely know that that type of an education system is not for everyone and that's where the likes of Youthreach come in. So we're going to find out a little bit more about what Youthreach has on offer today. And it is Monday so and the wonderful Annalise Drussell will join us after half past 12 today and Annalise will be answering all of your nutritional questions. If you have a question for Annalise get it into us 1850 and we'll do our best to get as many questions through as many questions as possible as we can. You can text or watch WhatsApp 0862103103 and a lovely email in to thank us for something that we did on Friday. Remember Ruth contacted us because she was having some work done in her house and she had two workers. She said they'd done great work. They were in the house for about three days, I think, last week. There was a supervisor just popped in and out, but it was the two lads did the bulk of the work. Now, she looked after them as they worked away, making sure that they had teas and coffees and buns and she offered them soup and sandwiches. So she was being very kind to them. But she was just wondering, did she need to give them a tip? She hadn't had this kind of work. Now, it was substantial enough and that I think it cost her €5,000 to have the work done. And she contacted us to say, could we put it out there to see, should she tip the two lads now that they were coming to the end? of the week and we got a mixed reaction I have to say but we did get people saying yeah it was a nice thing to do and in particular we got some mums whose sons are labourers and they all thought it was a lovely 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 gesture to give them a few bob to say look it's the weekend go off and have a if you are a drinking type go off and have a few pints for yourself that kind of thing so Ruth got back on to us to say thank you for all your help on this last Friday and it was great to hear what you and other listeners had to say in the end I did give them some money each and I think they were delighted especially as they were heading into the weekend they didn't seem too surprised though so maybe it is becoming a thing now to tip labourers etc thanks again and that's from uh, Ruth so thank you uh, Ruth for that and it's a good one for other people if you're having any labourers into the house we're not saying that you have to 
do it but it does look like from the reaction that Ruth the lads who worked with Ruth got they didn't seem that surprised so it does look like something people do just to give them something as they're heading into the weekend some of your comments on um and Magellan Moynihan getting pregnant at 22 and charged under Garda Siakana regulations. She was all nearly dismissed from the force for getting pregnant and having a child out of wedlock. And we're not talking about the dark Victorian ages. We're only talking about 1983. John O'Donovan says there was a code of conduct and the Garda had to keep to the rules and the Garda had to be seen to keep those rules. That was the time and that was the rule. So I don't see why the current Garda Commission is apologising as that was the rule at the time. I don't agree with the way they handled the situation with the child as that was nothing to do with them. But there was a code of conduct within the Garda Corner. And what the code of conduct being, you can't, you can't get pregnant and have a child. But if you get away with it, you could have sex. But if you get away with it, as long as you're not caught. I mean, that's what got to me was the hypocrisy of this era. If you didn't get caught, you were OK. It was only the poor unfortunates who got caught. So I don't accept that, John. And I think she does absolutely deserve an apology for what she was put through afterwards. It's nothing to do with her getting pregnant. It's, it's what went on afterwards and the way she was uh, actually treated. Some of your texts. Um, Hi, Patricia. I heard the documentary. Uh, that young lady, Magella, was charged. But what was the man charged with? I don't know. Well, he was, cha- he was charged with having sex. He must have been charged with having sex outside of marriage because he had to pay £90. Um, they were they knew that she was this texture they knew that Magella was a very naive 22 year old church and state were so close even then even the GRA the Garda Representative Association at the time condemned her I heard that earlier yeah they did and actually in the documentary you can hear the Garda representative speaking with John Bowman on a programme that was on at the time. To me, his part was shocking because he was somebody who should have been standing up for This is when the story broke. Story broke in the Irish Times the, the following year after Magella had the baby. You know, she wasn't named, but the story broke that a young Bangarda had had a baby out of wedlock, that the child was given up for adoption, but that she held on to her job was the uh, story. And remember, she only held on to the job because the Archbishop intervened. And the Archbishop didn't intervene on a mercy case. The Archbishop only intervened because he was afraid more young women would go to England on the boat and have abortions because we weren't accepting of, of somebody having a child at the time, having a child outside of marriage. Uh, Anne says, Patricia, Remagella Moynihan, my parents say it was a huge crime for a single woman to be with a man unless they were married. Contraceptive was only available to married couples. It was a society, that's how society was back then. If she had married the man, could she have kept the baby? I heard over the weekend that the man went to her father to ask for her hand in marriage, but she didn't want to marry him. She should have married him to keep the baby, says that. Uh, I, I, I get what you're saying. And, and he did go. And without, By the way, he went to ask for the father's hand in marriage without telling Magella what he was doing at the time, which really annoyed Magella. But I don't know... We've seen too many marriages fail because somebody was forced to get married. I mean, the, sh- the so-called shotgun weddings, some of them worked out OK, but many of them didn't. I mean, marrying somebody just because you're pregnant is not the correct reason to get married. So I think she was right on, you know, the easy option. Absolutely, the easy option would have been for her to have gotten married and to have kept the child. But what kind of a life would she have had 
you know, we don't know what this guy was like. She was the only one. She she probably knew that she couldn't spend the rest of her life with the man. And that's wrong to bring a child into a relationship with somebody you know you're not going to be able to uh, stay with. And then a really honest Thank you for your text, by the way. A really honest WhatsApp in from a West Cork listener to say, Patricia, heads really need to roll over this story. It is beyond belief what we're hearing happen, happened to Magella Moynihan. I was pregnant at exactly the same time. So my son is the very same age as Magella's son, David. I was a bit younger than Magella, but... I know at first hand the pressure that she was put under back in 1984. I fought like hell, but I could see how girls were broken down at that time. I was in school, so I wasn't working. I think now I was just lucky to have won that fight. Please don't read out my name, but Magella really does need justice now. Uh, thanking you. And it is, thank you for that, uh, to that listener. And it is a very different era that we're speaking about back in 1984. It doesn't seem, God, it's isn't that long ago, 35 odd years ago, but it was a very different time. And as a number of people are pointing out, you couldn't get contraception unless you were married. Because it was in the early 90s, because I remember I was doing this programme, this very programme from our West Cork studios at the time when the legislation changed, which allowed you to buy condoms without a prescription. You needed a prescription. It's hard to believe, isn't it? You needed a prescription to get a packet of condoms. So you're talking, that was the, the era but yet they didn't want girls getting pregnant outside of marriage, but they weren't facilitating anyone to have sex because you couldn't get the contraception. It was it was a very bizarre time, but the church and the state were hugely linked. I mean, that's that's really what it all goes back to. 1850-333-103. And just a quick text in to say, Patricia, I heard in the news the lady from Kilbrain, and I don't have her name in front of me, I'll get it in a minute, uh, won the over 60s talent show last night. Absolutely, yeah. was the North Cork winner. What a shame, pa- Paddy O'Brien still hasn't been honoured with Freedom of Cork for all the work he has done over the years when it comes to, can I say, not just the over 60s talent show, the work Paddy O'Brien does that the majority of people don't know about advocating on behalf of older people and visiting older people and dealing with older people when it comes to loneliness. And I know certainly I've interviewed Paddy I've lost count of the number of times I've interviewed Paddy about loneliness and older people and checking up on older people and he has some heartbreaking stories of families just getting on with their lives and being busy and abandoning their old folk. You know, and he also says, you know, one day we all have to get old so so do remember that, yeah. And you're you're not the first and you won't be the last to say that Paddy O'Brien should be honoured with the freedom of uh, Cork. And by the way, we are getting a lot of reaction to that case of uh, Magella uh, Moynihan, who was a young uh, Garda and what happened to her back in 1983. Uh, and also people talking about, you know, an alleged the allegations of a whispering campaign against other officers and recruits who became pregnant outside of ma- marriage. That has all emerged in the aftermath of what happened to uh, Magella. So I think there's going to be a lot, lot more to this story. I will get back to your calls and comments, but I want to move on to uh, a different issue because newly elected Fine Gael Councillor Liam O'Connor has said Carrigaline is in serious need of a designated recycling centre and he joins me to explain why. Good morning to you, Liam. Morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm very well. And firstly, how are you settling in as a new councillor? 
All good. Um, two weeks down now, so just here again at County Hall. We have a couple of meetings on today, so okay. getting into it. Yeah, still still a lear- learning curve, but I but I assume the more seasoned councillors are good to help out the younger ones coming in. Oh God, yeah, yeah. So we, I guess loads of support from them for the last couple of weeks. Brilliant, brilliant. So, yeah, all good. Okay, now what recycling facilities are currently available in Carrigaline? So in, in the town of Carrigaline, we have two areas for bottle banks, clothes, and we had a plastic recycling area, um, but that has been taken away in the last couple of days. Um, one of the areas where we've had some dumping over the last couple of years is in th- at the Super Value site. So that area is a privately owned site that Car County Council use, and they have um, about five or six um, glass bottle bins and they also had a plastic recycling bin which was just a big green bin with a big lid on it so people could just come and put their plastic waste in there but last week um, there was a lot of dumping um, household waste left there just thrown at the front of the bin um, so the council has come and now they have, it's all cleared up again but the I suppose super value as the owners of it are just concerned that it's been used as a dumping site so they're not very happy and, you know, I suppose if, if it keeps going on that way, um, I'm sure they'll be asking to have it removed to a different location. Yeah, like it isn't, it isn't a great image for any supermarket to have a kind of a mini dump outside their door. It's definitely not, no. Um, now, I, I speak from talking to the council and feedback from them is they have already, they've, I think last year in 2018, they have issued 22 fines um, have been issued for dumping at that site. Okay. Um, now I'm not sure how many of those have been followed up on or are paid but I, I, I'm presuming most of those fines are coming from um, the wardens going through the litter and actually finding maybe addresses or, or stuff like that on it because it isn't monitored by CCTV um, which would be mm-hmm. welcome because at the two areas because we have another area in Carrigaline in the Ownerby Car Park where we have most of these bottle banks we've got uh, eight bottle banks and we have three closed recycling centres um, which are used again that area um, can be quite bad at times um, tidy towns I, I'm chairman of Carrigland tidy towns we spend a lot of time at that area um, cleaning it up um, so and the bins uh, first the bins are regularly emptied and cleaned up and the councillor are, are constantly monitoring it and Mm. They come down and. But but Liam, but, you're you're not on your your own um, in Carrigaline. This isn't unique to Carrigaline. I don't know what it is, but where where wherever you place bottle banks or any kind of recycling facilities outside of something like a civic amenity site, it seems to be an attr- a place where people just decide to dump. It seems to be attractive for dumpers. It does, yeah. Now, last time in Carrigaline, if the bins do get full, people will come with their car, they open the boot, and they have loads of bottles, and the banks are full. And then what they do is they just leave the, the bottles or the bags at the side of yeah, the bottle that's bag. that's what starts it. And then it rains, and the cardboard disintegrates, the bottles are over the ground, the cars are driving in, glass is being broke, and it's just a mess. Like, I suppose we need to, we need to focus on the preventative measures, like... like you need to get a kind of behavioural change on it, an awareness campaign. Like we ran lots of awareness campaigns in Carrigaline over like the past number of years. Like this time last year, we ran one on uh, cigarette butts in the town. And over a three-week period in July, 
last year we collected six and a half thousand cigarette butts from the main street in Carrigaline. Over so what period? Where, over what period of time? It was over three weeks. The last two weeks of July, first week of August. Oh God. Six and a half thousand. Are, are there butts. are there bins in that area for people to put out cigarettes? Loads of adequate number of bins. Wow. We've, we have all bins, but they're just not. And all the new bins that we put in have cigarette butt ashtrays on top. Yeah, and if there's any pubs or restaurants around, they normally have receptacles exactly. outside it's their doors. So there is, exactly, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not that people can use the argument, oh, we don't have any place to put them. You no, do. Yeah. There's, there's adequate number of bins um, in the vicinity if they're just not being used, you know. Um, so what, like, what so, do you believe is the solution? Well, I suppose... Uh, Litter, if we have litter wardens um, in the area with, that can actually, like there was a proposal for a litter warden with a body cam. So if people, if you're walking down the street and they see someone littering, at least they have evidence they can go and prosecute them. Um, but I thought most of it is, um, is behavioural change and awareness of, of the problem and the consequences of it. So people bringing, they're going to the trouble of bringing uh, bottles putting bottles into their car, driving to the, the bottle bank and leaving them then in the front mm. of the bin if they're full. You know, I think it's just a behavioural change that needs to happen and an awareness campaign. And then I suppose the fines need to be followed up and the people need to be prosecuted that are doing this. Because it's probably the same people are doing it over and over again. Yeah, and we often hear the call to, to name and shame people. We need to start, you know, if people thought that their name was going to appear somewhere for dumping rubbish, they might think twice about doing it exactly, again. Exactly, yeah. So as I said, there were 22 fines issued last year um, in for the Carrigine, the, the area in the Super Value car park. But I'm not sure how many of those actually have been uh, followed up on. But I'll be, mm-hmm. I'll be looking into that. Yeah, and you, and you raised it, at, you raised the issue at the first meeting. So the, we have the uh, our first meeting is on this evening. Our first municipal district meeting is on at two o'clock. And, oh, you're going to raise it at that? Uh, I have a motion on that for uh, two motions there, just to um, a dedicated kind of improved recycling centre for Carrigaline for the population we have, rather than having the two smaller sites. And then the other motion I have is for um, a litter warden for the new Carrigaline municipal district, because I understand there's only one litter warden covering the whole of County Cork. Um, so we need to have a look at that and see. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy situation. Okay, listen. Yeah. Good luck with it, and we'll talk again, uh, Liam. Thank you for that. No and thank uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, newly elected councillor Liam O'Connor for Carrigaline on the issue of our designated recycling centre. And actually, when I mentioned recycling and civic amenity sites, that prompted John and Canturk to contact us to say, if you walk in with a bag of rubbish into the civic amenity site in Canturk, this is a without a vehicle um, so therefore the barrier doesn't go up you are still charged three euro John feels that's disencouraging people from using the facility he knows uh, he cites an example of a guy he knows who is renting an apartment on his own doesn't have a lot of rubbish decides doesn't have a bin collection so he was bringing his rubbish into the civic community site lives close by, walked in without a car, but was still charged three uh, euro. John says he doesn't mind paying five euro if you're dumping a lot of refuge, but if you're just going in with a small bag of rubbish, he feels you shouldn't have to pay three euro. They introduced that three euro charge a number of years ago at all of the civic community sites. I mean, it's to go towards the cost of running the site. Unless you have an electrical product, anything under the Wii 
you don't get charged for if that's all you're bringing with you. So if you pull up in your car and you have electrical items with nothing else, you are entitled to go into the civic amenity site or sometimes some of the civic amenity sites outside before you get to the space where the barrier is, there'll be a, a place for you to, to, to you know, to to, to, to to dispose of your item, any item with the plug, anything that falls under uh, we, but you don't get charged for that. But John, they introduced that a number of years ago, a three euro charge when you're heading into civic amenity sites. I'm a big fan of civic amenity sites, I have to say. I think it's three euro well spent, you know, and if you... If you are good at recycling and if you've got a space where you can store things, you can fill up your car and bring it all along with you or if you've got a trailer or, or whatever, I certainly think for €3 Euro it is really, really good value for the particularly if it's re- the items you're bringing along uh, for recycling. But anyway, uh, John's thought is if you're just walking in with a bag of rubbish, you should be allowed to go in for free and that it would encourage more people. And I suppose, John, it's a good suggestion because anything that we can do to encourage people not to dump their litter. That's the road that we need to go down and we need to look at all of those avenues. Thank you for your thoughts. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I mentioned earlier that the Over 60s Talent Competition, which was held last night in the City Hall, was won by somebody from North Cork, of course, straight away. And I said at the time, I should have the, I should have that lady's name, shouldn't I? And I didn't have it in front of me, someone straight away. Who won it? Who won it? It was won by Nora Mary O'Reardon from Kilbrain. And Nora Mary O'Reardon, I'm told, is a retired teacher. And she sang the old Gloria number one day at a time. And uh, it proved to be the right song for Nora Mary O'Reardon from uh, Kilbrain. And as a retired teacher, I'm assuming a lot of her pupils will be thrilled to hear that she picked up that title last night. Congratulations to her, Nora, and indeed to the other 13 finalists. There was 14 in total from Cork City and County who took part in what is always a full house. It's like those tickets. Hard. It's easier to get a ticket to an All-Ireland final than it is to get a ticket to the Over 60s Talent Competition. So well done once again to Paddy O'Brien who organises it and organises it uh, so efficiently every year. But uh, Nora Mary O'Reardon, the winner for this uh, year. And Kilbehany National School are hoping to win something and they're looking for people to help them out by voting for them. Stephen Stephen Walsh is the principal of Kilbehany National School in North Cork and he joins me. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning, how's it going? I am, everything's going well. Now, big push for the school because we only have until five o'clock today. Exactly, it's yeah. the Road Safety Authority and a competition that you entered. Tell me about it. Yeah, so it's been a, it's been a long week. Um, I think our, our heads and our eyes are... are are um are burnt out of us at this stage from trying to gather votes and to vote away ourselves. So I suppose to 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 bring it all back, um a couple of couple of weeks ago, um we entered a competition with the Road Safety Authority where uh by the first, second and third class um and our class teacher, Mr O'Connell, put a, a, a dance video together for the the road safety campaign. And we were selected as one of the top uh, five schools in the country. And it went to a public vote. Uh, it opened last Monday and it closes today at five o'clock. And the school at the end of the day with the most votes wins 30 uh, tablets for the school, um, the winning school. So it's a fantastic prize. So we've been going hell for later all week and the support has been fantastic uh, to date. And we're really looking 
uh, I suppose, to, to, to see the day out strongly and hopefully finish on top at the end of it. Now, your problem is that you're a small enough school. How many, how many children? Yeah, how many pupils? So we're, we're um, a small rural school um, based there between Mitchellstown and um, um, I suppose the three counties really were the Limerick side of it and um, we have 78 pupils so uh, a prize like this would be fantastic yeah. it would be a long time I suppose trying to uh, fundraising together enough money to buy uh, such a, um, an array of uh, tablets like, like yeah, like that, that's yeah. An offer, you know? and the school there's five you're up against four of the schools are yes. they bigger schools? Um, <clears throat> from what I gather now um, the, the majority of the schools would be quite would be quite large okay um, and um, I I would gather that a lot of them would be kind of um, urban schools whereas we'd be like I said very much a rural school um, so the spread of votes um from the community and, and outside of the community has been fantastic for us and Brilliant. we've been doing quite well all week. Okay, so the, it's the final push because final it's push, five yes. o'clock today. Do you know how you're doing versus the other schools? Yeah, so basically at present we are about 2,000 votes ahead of our nearest Brilliant. rival, which is <laughs> a school up in County Louth. Okay. And um, it's, it has been pretty much neck and neck between ourselves and that, that school all week. And there's, a, there's other schools then from, from Westmead, uh, Galway City and uh, Castle Island. And they're, they're, slightly, uh, they're slightly back down the, the pecking order. But, but all week it's been ourselves in the County Loud School. And um, we, I suppose we, we, we've been really trying to put a push on all weekend and uh, today so that we, we, we finish out on top um, Okay, and and voting is free. There's no there's oh, no for, charge. Yeah, you just you, you, you just vote as many times as you wish. Okay, yeah. you just I'm I've got it up here. I've just I actually while you were chatting, I just had the video on the background. It's excellent. Well, who, what teacher did you say got involved? Um, Mark O'Connell, Mr. O'Connell what? here. He's Mr. our first, second, and third class teacher. So Mr. He, O'Connell, uh, well done. It's, yeah, it's, it's terrific. Video, yeah. Okay, and there I've just voted for you. Okay, <laughs> so 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 you go on the RSA. The RSA, yeah. So www.rsa dot ie um, forward slash vote now and um, you, that that should bring you to the link there and you'll be able to vote away and okay and, and you can vote more than once you say exactly, can you exactly yeah, yeah so you can vote <laughs> as many times as you wish yes. okay <laughs> okay so keep voting and we have until five o'clock today so if you're online today folks please RSA .ie and it's Kilbehany National School that you're looking for. They're top of the list. You're on 47.66 votes, uh, percentage of the votes, 23,393. Let's keep it going throughout the day. I will remind myself to do that as many times as I can uh, today. And you will know, You, I, I'm assuming you'll find out this evening, will you? I haven't, uh, we, we haven't a clue. We're, 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 we've, um, we've kind of extended the school day until five o'clock today <laughs> and we're, <laughs> we're going to wait and see anyway what happens. Okay. Five and I know the the children have been they've 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 um, been fiercely excited all week. It's kind of uh, um, really focused the minds um, the last couple of days, and um, um, we've been voting like like mad. So and, and no 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 homework tonight for anyone, regardless. Okay? <laughs> regardless, yeah. If pass it on to all. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I think take a night off tonight. Yeah. And you, and you know something? What's great about it is it's also getting across the message of the safe cross coat. I mean, that's you know I know well, there's the plus here of you getting it, it, the exactly yeah. You know, and, uh, there's a serious a side to it as well. 
a creative way or a new, a, a new creative way of, of um, I suppose, learning it or, or having embedding it in, inside in, um, inside in their heads, you know, which is probably the, the, the underlying message that well we done. all would need to take away from, from well all done. of this, you know. Best of luck. We'll keep an eye on it throughout the day. Thanks, Thanks for that. Much, bye bye. Bye bye. No Thank problem. You. Have a good day. That is uh, Stephen Walsh, who is the principal Kilbehany National School. Big push now, just for the final day, uh, please. Uh, rsa.ie forward slash vote now and it's uh, Kilbehany school that you are voting for please. Some of your thoughts coming in on different issues on dumping and civic immunity sites and the issue that we addressed in the first hour on the programme. Colin Bottleman says those people who operate those bins, these are the recycling bins. Well the recycling bins are normally operated by the local authority in your area and they'll have a site sometimes like the one we were talking about in Carrigal Line, it's Super Value, local Super Value store there, kindly offer the council permission to use their car parks. That's generally speaking what happens uh, around the country. Uh, Colin reckons that the problem with these recycling centres and the bins, they're not collected often enough. So what happens then is people go to the bother, bring in their glass jars, their tin cans, whatever else with them, and they load them up into the car. But when they get down to the bring site, often they can be full. What do they do then? They just open the boot of their car, they take out their bags, their boxes, whatever they have the bottles and the cans in and they leave it there. And then other people come along assuming, oh, that's going to be collected later today because it's full. They'll pick them up. So it gets added to and added to and added to. And Colin reckons the key to stopping this bring sites becoming centres for little black spots is to make sure that those bottle banks are emptied more frequently than they are at the moment. That's a suggestion from Colm in Bottevin. Thanks for that. Colm Nora says, she's yet to meet one person who agrees with dumping rubbish. So Nora raises the question today, who's doing all the dumping? People are being very deceptive. They are pretending to be recycling. But there's got to be a lot of it going on and people are just not recycling properly and they're letting on that they are. John in Waterpark says, Patricia, the recycling centre in Raffine is a great facility, but God help the lads, this is a civic community site, God help the lads collecting the money at the gate. People are very tight when it comes to money. They don't want to pay, even if it is only the three euro charge that was introduced. People just don't want to pay. And when we were speaking with Liam O'Connor, the new councillor in Carrigaline, um, he mentioned that they had done something, he's, he's part of the Tidy Towns Group, that they had gone out just over a three week period picking up cigarette butts and they could not get over the tens of thousands of cigarette, cigarette butts they collected just in one area of Carrigaline over a three week period. A texter says, we have the same problem in Bohubwe at the Brink site. People leave their boxes after disposing of their bottles. But I agree with your caller, cigarette butts are a litter nightmare. So if you're going to your Brink site, bring your boxes away and your bags away with you, please. Now also coming in by text, congratulations to Nora Mary on winning the over 60s talent show outright uh, even though she wasn't a finalist at Kilbrain oh I didn't know that only Paddy O'Brien put her in on the night um, on, on the night I don't quite understand what's going on there but congratulations uh, to her she wasn't the unwinning uh, last night well done to uh, Nora Mary That's she won the as we mentioned earlier the over 60s talent uh, show 
Hi, this is a completely different issue. I was travelling to Killarney yesterday and there was a lot of cyclists on the road. Very few had flashing lights on their bicycles. Yes, the majority of them were wearing bright colours. But if you get the glare of the sun, it's very hard to see them. At least if they had lights on their back of their bicycles, flashing lights, it would catch your attention. I think there should be some laws around this. They should have red flashing lights on all bicycles. We'll be interested to hear what other motorists have to say. And you are right. This is the time of the year. I was doing some driving at the weekend and I came across big number. There are a lot of cyclists uh, out and about. If you're on a narrow stretch, I particularly am always very nervous, so I'm always hearts in my mouth. I'm always glad when I've passed them because I'm always afraid that when you're passing a cyclist, and, you know, hopefully they're not and even two abreast. And I know they're allowed to go two abreast, but single file, I prefer to pass them on single file. But I'm always afraid that they, you know, they might swerve to avoid something or they might hit something just as, you, as you're passing them. So you do have to try and give them as much space as you can on the roads. But yes, you're right, there are a lot of cyclists on the road at the moment. But how would people feel about that? Would, it, would you prefer some law came in where all, if you're, when you're out on your bicycle at all times, day and night, when obviously at night time you have to have lights on your bike, but at all times you would have a red flashing light on the back of your bike that would be on constantly day and night and it would make it easier for motorists to see you. Your thoughts welcomed on that, 1850 Sandy was obviously out and about at the weekend as well. Because Sandy says, with all the talk of the environment, I'm beginning to believe it's all a lot of bull on the government's part. I drove from Skibbereen to Cork at the weekend and I noticed all of the roadworks on the N71. Not one cycle or pedestrian lane. Just very wide dikes being filled with rubbish and clay, which what will happen then? It'll fill with weeds and bushes that will prevent cyclists and pedestrians from safely using what could be a fenced off hard track or margin, especially for cyclists and pedestrians. On several portions of the roadside on the N71, there are sections of disused old railway line that could be cleared and used for bicycles and walkers. Also, a few areas could be set aside for emergency vehicle parking in case of a breakdown or illness of a driver of a car. On a section of the Cork to McCroom Road, there are wide, unused verges, almost total road width. It would be ideal for almost an extra lane plus a cycle lane and walkways. Instead, uh, there is a proposed construction of a motorway, says Sandy, who is suggesting that what we need to do is think a little bit outside the box. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Uh, caretaker, groundskeeper and admin personnel roles are available. This is on CE schemes in Inniscara, Whitechurch and Grenna. A senior stylist is wanted in Cork City. You need to have a minimum of three years qualified experienced experience while experienced butchers, senior butchers and butcher managers are all wanted to work across Limerick and Cork. And Vodafone salesperson wanted with knowledge about phones and you need to be familiar with IT skills and good with customers dealing with issues and resolving problems. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. We spoke last week with Bandon mother Ashley Maloney on the eve of her 14-month-old daughter's serious operation to remove a tumour in her neck which had only been identified a few weeks ago. Ashley once again joins me from our latest hospital in Crumlin to update us on little Freya's uh, progress. Good morning to you, Ashley. 
Good morning. I have been thinking of you all weekend. You have certainly had a stressful few days. How is little Freya doing? She's actually doing really well. They're, they're actually telling us that she's done way better than what they expected. Um, she came, when she came out of the theatre, she went to ICU. She actually didn't need a ventilator. Great. So that was good. Um, now she still has her drains in and she's central lines. And, and I think the hardest thing is to pick her up, yeah. give her a cuddle. But um, she came out of ICU then on Saturday, back to the ward. And she's sitting up, smiling, laughing. <laughs> now that's great progress. Because you thought she'd be in ICU for a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, she's... And they've even said it to doctors. They can't get over how how well she is and how happy she is. And, you know, gone back to her own self. Now, we did have a rough night last night. We're just keeping on top of pain. Yeah. But, I mean, she's doing extremely well. And is she eating? Is she eating and drinking? She was drinking the night of the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted bottles, so they were they could only give her a little bit because just in case she got sick. Yeah. But uh, the the nurse, you're not allowed to stay with them overnight in the ICU. So I was ringing in during the night, and she says she was looking at her to say. Why aren't you giving me all the bottles? <laughs> so they were actually feeding her every two hours. <laughs> That, so that would show you how, how well she was doing and, and how quick she was bouncing back after the operation. Yeah, yeah. So now, the surgeons themselves, were they pleased with the operation and the way it went? They were. They were very, very happy. They said that they got all the tumour and it came out in the capsule. Okay. So it means that it was intact. Great. That it all came out in one go. So they were very happy that they got it. And they were also very happy they went in the way they, they decided to because the tumour was actually quite, the way he put it, was stuck to her jugular vein. Oh, God. So he said he was happy they decided to go in and operate the way they did. They went in so through the chest, wasn't it? They had one incision across her neck in okay. one of the folds and another incision down her chest. And they had to break one of her little ribs. Yeah. Oh, Bless her heart. But she's on pain relief and they'll keep her topped up with pain relief, do they? Yeah, well, the, the morphine stopped on the Friday night. Okay. And Saturday then. She's, she's only been on paracetamol and norphine oh. since okay. Saturday. All right. So... Uh, and is, <laughs> is, is that... Right, but that appears to be working for her? Yeah. Great, yeah. great. So where to from here? What are they telling you now is going to happen? Well, we haven't heard much. They came in this morning. The cardiothoracic team came in this morning and took out her stitches in the chest. Okay. And just said they were very, very happy. The wound has healed already. You know, it's not open. So it's very good. And ENT still has to see us. But um, they said they were just waiting on biopsy results then as well on top of that. So... Have they given you an indication of when you'll get the biopsy results? Will that take very long or? They said to us on Thursday about five days. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, because yeah. that, that wait, you need to, you need to find out what, you know, and hopefully it'll all be, uh, hopefully it'll all be good. And if it's not, it'll be just the next step and you, you're onwards and upwards and all of that. We won't even talk about that side of it uh, uh, for, uh, for now. Um, and the good news is that she's a happy little bunny and she seems to be, and she'll remember none of this 
being so young? Yeah, well, she she does remember some stuff. Does she? You know, obviously, take blood and put in needles before the surgery. And when she first got here, we'd hold her down. Ah. So even to put her, lie her down, out to change her nappy, she screams, you know. And we're trying to play with her and get her used to, you know, we're not going to do anything to you. I know. You know, so that's, that's the hard part. You know, she's scared of anyone that goes near her now. Just smile if the nurses are far away, but but she will forget that that will go yeah. into she, she will honest to God she, she will forget that and yourself and uh, Kiron, you're obviously spending most of your your days at the hospital where are you are, are you staying locally or are you we're in the parents accommodation okay and we take turns then every every night one of us stays in the parents accommodation one of us stays in the room with her okay so we're kind of taking turns so you're managing to get some sleep because that's important yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you have any of your family up at the weekend or is it just the two of you? Yeah, my my husband's family were up on Saturday. Great. And my family then came up on yesterday, Sunday. Okay. Because you need you need so, you need support as well. Yeah. And the fundraiser that we spoke about, I was checking in on it at the weekend, uh, Ashley. You're doing really well on the the GoFundMe page. It's done absolutely amazing. It was you know, we didn't expect so much more. Uh but as I said we'll be given we'll be giving at least two thousand to the, the charity here. Yeah. Um and it's done amazing. Even actually one of your listeners sent a lovely doll and a box of chocolates they posted to Crumlin. Ah, uh, I, I saw that up on Facebook, yes. yes. Well, I take it the chocolates were for you and Kieran. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a gorgeous doll in almost like, with, with Freya's name on it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely the, it was the sweetest thing. It was the, people are, people are so kind. They're just so kind. They really are. Yeah. Listen, we'll let you get back to little Freya and we'll, we'll, we'll check in with you again later on in, in the week, okay? But yourself and Kieran, look after yourselves as well because I know you're looking after Freya and we'll keep you all in our thoughts and prayers. Lovely, thank you very God much. God bless, mind yourself. Okay. Bye-bye, bye. bye-bye. Ashley uh, Maloney there from uh, Bandon about little uh, Freya. Children are amazing, the way they bounce back. You think these tiny little things, you know, how is she ever going to recover after a major operation like that, having to have her chest opened, her neck opened, this tumour removed, breaking her little rib. You just think, God help her. And look at her out of ICU already. So onwards and upwards now. What we now need is for the results of the biopsy to come back. If it's benign, it'll be just plain staling. And of course, if it's not, if it's cancerous, they're going to have to look down the route, I suppose, of, uh, of chemotherapy. But we'll cross that bridge uh, if if they have to come to us. 1850-333-103. And thank you to people who've been really kind. When we mentioned this story last week and Freya's Care is the GoFundMe page where people will be very kind uh, to donate money as well. And to that listener who sent out that lovely gift uh, to the hospital, really, really uh, nice. They will they will be, little Freya will be a patient in our ladies' hospital in Cromwell. Certainly, I think, for the rest of this week week. Uh, um, um, anyway, if anybody else wants to send on a little Get Well card, Freya Maloney, care of a ladies hospital in Crumlin, it'll get there. No problem at all. Now, lost was a phone. It's a Samsung smart phone, black in colour, and it was lost in the Donnerail area lunchtime yesterday afternoon. If you found that or you heard of somebody who picked up a phone in the Donnerill area yesterday. Can you give us a buzz here at the studio, please? We have somebody looking for it. 1850 
333103. And I can still see calls coming in about Magellan Morrissey and the Garda case. I'm going to hold off on those and I promise you I will get back to them because I want to try and keep them all together if I can. Just stay on Lost and Found for a sec because somebody sent in a text saying, would you ask your listeners please, Patricia, to keep an eye out for two dogs missing in the Ballinlock Lep area. They're two small ginger dogs, short hairs. They're missing now for about a week. If you could ask your listeners if they have spotted them to contact the West Cork Animal Welfare Group if they see them or they have them or they have spotted them over the last few days or over the weekend 0861 that's the West Cork Animal Welfare Hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Group Ballinlock Lep area two small ginger dogs. If anybody has spotted them, uh, give them a call, please. This is the Court Today replay on C103. There's been a lot of focus over the last few weeks on the leaving certificate and the points race for university. But as we know, state exams and the world of academia is not for everyone. So to outline an alternative to mainstream schools, I'm joined by Olive O'Donnell, who is coordinator at YouthReach in uh, Mallow. Good morning to you, Olive. And uh, thank you for taking time out to join us in studio. We really appreciate that. OK, what age group, firstly, is YouthReach aimed at? Yeah, thanks, Patricia. You move into that microphone there, yeah. Sure, thanks for having me on. Um, So, Mallow Youth Reach is an educational centre, and I think that's very important to note on the onset for early school leavers between the ages of 16 to 20. We provide QQI level 3 and 4. Uh, we're inspected by the Department of Education and we're funded by SOLAS. So part of our programme plan um, incorporates the core subject, which is the maths, the English. We provide other subject areas such as engineering, catering studies, workplace safety, woodwork and so on. And I suppose one of the m- most important things about youth reach is um, many of the students may have left school for various reasons, which you might yeah, get into. Yeah, yeah. yeah talk about that first. Yeah. Why, why do some people end up leaving school earlier? Well, I suppose the ideal situation is that every young person completes their leaving cert and gets to leave in cert age. But there are many issues why young people drop out. Um, Issues such as anxiety, self-esteem. They can't manage the small group settings in school. Um, So they may drop out. Uh, They may be in no man's land. We often get informal inquiries and so on. Um, So when they present to us, we look at them and we take the student where they are. Um, we would conduct um, a literacy assessment and a numeracy assessment on them to pitch a programme to suit their needs. And I suppose the most important thing is students may feel that there's a sense of failure coming to youth reach. It's actually a door opener to further education, to apprenticeships, 
by providing a level three and four, what you're in essence doing is putting them on the progression ladder. Yeah. And by doing that, um, that is a door opener to Mallow College, which we are blessed to, blessed to have them um, on our doorstep. We have a great relationship with Mallow College. And um, so it's yeah, it's yeah. it's it's an alternative to the mainstream school. Absolutely. It's and, and, you know, as we said, the mainstream school isn't going to be for everyone. And if people have struggled um, and it can be for a variety of issues as well. I mean, you can have people who might have difficulty with reading and writing through something like dyslexia or it got diagnosed too late uh, and then they fall between the cracks. So that's where you're almost catching the ones that fall between the cracks in youth reach. Absolutely. And I suppose we're providing a whole school service or a whole centre service. Um, We have counselling, which is really, really important to have for a young person that may have not been able to talk to anybody in mainstream school. They may have been bullied. They may feel that they're just not part of the class. Um, And we find when they come in, their heads are down and, you know, they find it very difficult to engage initially until they settle in. Mm. And lots of times we would get informal inquiries that may not be followed through. And what I'd say to people is pop down to us, see the centre and, you know, get a sense of some of the programmes that we provide. And as I mentioned, their literacy and numeracy, they may have struggled with that in class. Mm. And then they throw in the towel. They might have got that one to one or that small. And then they feel they're stupid. You'll hear people say, oh, I was stupid. I, I, I was never good at reading and writing. And it's not that they're stupid. They just need to learn a different way. Absolutely. And our teachers who are trained um, are qualified to deal with the small group settings, the individual work. And I suppose one thing to mention there on the Sunday Independent yesterday in the business section, um, there was a whole section there on, you know, you don't have to go to college to get a good job. And in this country, we feel that that is the route. You have to go to college equals a good job. I suppose, as I mentioned, the levels three and four are on the progression ladder to further education. So if we have a young person that comes in, has a vision, well, I always wanted to go to the CIT, but now I'm I'm after dropping out of school. Um, you know, we still are on that ladder of progression. We can get them onto further education and then maybe that will be a door opener to the CIT. You just might go there a different route. Absolutely. But you will get there. Yeah. 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 But it's to get that through, isn't it? To, Absolutely. To, yeah. to, to young people. And when we were only last week when we were talking about the start of the leaving cert saying, you know, this exam is not going to define you. Um, and then last we were pushing the apprenticeship routes because and there are vacancies for for apprenticeships. Huge. You have the Cork Training Centre in Bishopstown which have a massive list of apprenticeship programmes not just the usual carpentry and electrical work which a lot of people jump to that conclusion that's what equals apprenticeships. There's so many other apprenticeships there and it'll be worthwhile to look at that and again further education you know there's just such a variety in Mallow College to choose from Um, and as I said we have a great relationship with Mallow College so if a student comes in and decides they want to do business studies we will look at their vision we'll do an individual learning plan with them we'll review the individual learning plan every few weeks to make sure we're on the track so it's education with a purpose Mm. it's not a youth club it's very educationally focused in order to achieve the aims that the young person may have set out in school and anxiety might have taken over and you know I mean it's quite common you know a lot more common than people realise in school anxiety within classrooms There's a piece I was just looking for there I can't find it there was a piece in the paper I photocopied earlier showing the uh, the increase in anxiety amongst young people and I don't know will we ever get to the to the bottom of of why there's so much anxiety out there at the moment I think one of the biggest pressures is um, the mobile phone, the extension of the left arm, I call it, you know, yeah. and that peer pressure that that social media seems to be taking over their lives. That's that's one one reason. But, you know, in terms of the mobile phone, one of the things we do in youth reach is we take it's not that we take their mobile phone from them, but we actually they hand it up. 
willingly in the fr- in first thing in the morning. We put it in a box and they get it back a quarter to four. They as actually, they're leaving. They're, yeah, as they're yeah, leaving. They great. find that a huge sense of relief. Um, the fact that we have that rule imposed. Um, so in that, they get to talk, they conversate, they have their lunch, they might play football, they might play a game of pool or whatever. But the art of conversation is coming back into yeah. their life. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's absolutely. fantastic. Is it males and females equal numbers, more males and more females? Uh, it Predominantly male, um, but uh, it depends on the year. You might have half yeah. males, half females. It depends. It, yeah. it, they, and how does the class, does the cla- is the classroom setting very different to mainstream schooling? The only difference is it's a smaller setting. Okay. The, the curriculum is based on the subjects I mentioned earlier. So it's 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 not anything new to the, the young person coming in. It's the same setup, the same hours, lunchtime, break times. But as I said, we, we you know, we have the level f- three and four where they're aiming to achieve that in order to move on either to employment or further education. So, yeah, they won't see any huge differences, only the smaller numbers and yeah. the availability to pop out of the class if they're finding a day where they're feeling a little bit more anxious than the day before or whatever they have an option to go to a counsellor to do one to one with a resource worker so there's flexibility what you're doing is working where the student is at and that's really important that's why we have key work sessions more on a regular basis they wouldn't have received any of those services in school because the schools don't have those services they don't yeah. now we're not in the business of taking students out of school I mean school yeah. is where they should be but we know there's a lot of young people who have left school and also they may have left school and they, they, may, st- they may still be out there two years on and they don't know where to go Youth Reach is also an option for them so we How long do they do at Youth Reach? Two years Two years Yeah, It's, it's, a, it's a two yeah. year Do you see a big difference from the student that enters day one Olive to the student that leaves at the end of Absolutely. two years? Absolutely Their head yeah. is down coming in their head is up leaving self-esteem really important once they once they start I suppose trust is a big thing and it, it, trust in any relationship even if it's therapeutic where they're they're really learning to build up trust with the teacher the counsellor myself and to be able to express what went on for him in school and it's really important because there can be a bit of trauma after leaving school if something had gone on for them and in time it might be six months on they might disclose that what went on for them well I couldn't I was struggling with literacy numeracy the teacher had a class of 30 she couldn't keep up with everybody and give me the individual attention so I sat back and did nothing maybe because I didn't know the actual equation or whatever Mm. the case may be so we, as I said, we take the student where they're at. If they're finding equations difficult or, or maths or English, whatever, we can do individual work with them to, to kind of um, allow them to keep up with the class. So it's again at the student's It's pace. almost like private tuition. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, today, actually, there was a launch from the ERSI um, about youth reach evaluation. And one of the things that have, has come out of the report um, is that youth reach is an extremely expensive programme, as you mentioned there. But what they have seen is that it is really good value for money. Small classes, um, teacher ratio, is, you know, obviously uh, is better. And um, the outcomes are very good. We have an over 80 percent progression rate. And that means that progression to further education or employment. That's and that's true. massive. Now, that's a, that's an incredible figure. Mm-hmm. And would you have seen wh- wh- where have you seen young people go on to? Have you seen them go on to college? Have you seen them go on into jobs? Employment seems to be taking over. Yeah. And okay. if it's not employment, it would be Mallow College for the majority of the cases. Now, we've teamed up with the College of Commerce at the moment to do a level five.
five module, which means that we can incorporate um, what we have now as a work skills programme, which might be suitable to the student who may have completed their leave insert, applied leave insert and is in no man's land, not ready for college, not ready for anything maybe. Um, and they decide, you know what, I could come to Youthreach, I can combine employment with level four slash five in the College of Commerce and we can combine uh, various terrific education. Move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, terrific yeah. Move. What is the process to get into route, the application process to get in? I would suggest informal to begin with. Okay. Ring me 0224782 and we can start from there. There is a lot of paperwork like any educational institution, but once that's completed, you know, we we'll assess the student literacy and numeracy and try and uh, place the student where they're best at in a class. Okay, and you welcome the young person, uh, ideally with the parents, to come down and have a chat. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of our young people are under eighteen, yeah. um, So it's important that the parent is involved in their learning. Parents being the primary educators and all that. Yeah, it's really important. So yeah, yeah. And you're enrolling now for September, is it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now is the time for people to think about yeah uh, to to think about uh, youth reach. Mm. Uh, Okay. Listen, uh, Olive. We wish you good luck with it. And and how many in total will you take in? Is there is have you a limit? We'll take as many as we can. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Listen, you're doing fantastic work. Cheers. Uh, Good luck with it. Thanks for joining us. That is Olive O'Donnell, coordinator at Youth Reach in Mallow. I've had a really good email in from a listener who has sent me a copy of an email that she has sent on to the Junior Minister for Older People, Jim Daly, on behalf of her dad. And it reads, uh, you would probably look at this subject and think, oh no, not another one. Believe me, I am not just another person complaining. I've never contacted a TD in my life. My dad's name is, and we're leaving that out because our listener wants to, wants to remain anonymous and for her dad's sake in particular. Until four weeks ago, he was in good health, heading into his 91st year never needed any care whatsoever and paid 1,800 every year to the VHI for his health care. Living on his own since my mum died nearly 40 years ago, was a hard-working man all of his life and has raised me since I was 11. He had a fall outside the house and after four hours of crawling back into his own home, he ended up having a heart attack. But now he's come through a very difficult month in the loving care of Bantry Hospital. So now he's ready to be discharged. Happy days. Three weeks ago, I left a message with his public health nurse to get a call back from a lady stating she was sorry, an embargo had come in and my dad would have to be clinically dying in order to get home help, which means if he had three days to live, she could gladly give my dad home help. My situation is I work from 8am until 5, Monday to Friday, three days a week in Cork and two days in Bantry. I don't have any brothers or sisters, so I have no other support. So I'm being told that my father is being denied going home where he has every right to do so at this, this age of his life because some person in an office decides on cutbacks to our health system. Private Home help full time is totally out for him as he wouldn't be able to afford this. Would you like to face a family member in hospital and tell them, no, you cannot come home because the HFE, uh, HSE has stopped home help. But if you die in the next three days, then that's OK. We'll be able to sort this out for you. My heart breaks when I have to leave my dad's bedside. This wonderful man who still is so full of hope and so full of life and above all determined to live that I cannot simply say, Dad, 
you're coming home tomorrow. If you have any heart or feelings, this is to Jim Daly. Please, in the name of God, help my dad. Please do not insult me by getting somebody to send a courteous reply that you're looking into the matter. I've refused to go on C103 radios. I don't want to embarrass my dad. So there you have it, uh, Minister Daly. What are you going to do about this for us and for all the other people affected by this? And we obviously have that uh, daughter's name and number. But it's just she wants to protect her dad more than anything. I think, you know, she doesn't want her dad to be embarrassed about going public and getting his name a name out there. But isn't it just, you know, a man in his early 90s who has been fit and active and healthy all of his life and seems to be a remarkable man. And I imagine that they had a wonderful Father's Day yesterday, but unfortunately it had to be done in the confines of Bantry Hospital and just for the want of a bit of home help. And yet he's tying up an acute bed in Bantry Hospital, a bed that's needed for somebody else. It's just shocking. Now, um, we've made contact with the daughter in, in question of, and have asked her to keep in contact with us. I'd be really interested to see what happens. And can Jim Daly, because this is in his back backyard, can he be able to sort anything out for this on this particular case? And that's just one case of many. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Get your questions for Annalise into us, please. Annalise Trussell, our nutritional therapist. She will join us after half past 12 today. So if you have a question for Annalise, 1850-333-103. Text WhatsApp 86 And Mary in Mallow has drawn our attention to something I actually did see online over the weekend. And I was wondering would anybody ring in about this saying, how come they are going to put in a gym into the doll and can fund the paying of a fitness instructor for our TDs and senators? Mary was reading about it in the papers over the weekend. And yet to hear you this morning, read out that email from that daughter worried about her dad in his early 90s, fit for discharge, but only fit for discharge if he can get home help and a bit of support. She works during the day, so she's not available between nine and five. And they need someone to pop in and just make sure her dad is okay. but they've been turned down for home help unless he's clinically dying. If he's three days left to live, there'll be no problem getting home help. Uh, But she needs the home help now. So Mary is listening to that, saying there isn't money for home helps. And yet we're now hearing that the doll, who already have a subsidised bar within Leinster House, and now they are suddenly subsidising a fitness instructor. And this was a story that broke on Saturday, I'm sure. They've put it, well, it's gone out to tender. They are looking for a fitness instructor and they will pay that the successful candidate, he or she, will be paid 1,000 or 160,000 euro, excluding that over a four year period. So 40,000 a year, basically, is what the wage packet is for this fitness instructor. Um, and the he, the he or she will act as a fitness instructor to TDs and senators and put them through their places in the private gym. Now, Mary is wrong in that they're going to put in a gym. The gym is already there. There's already a gym in the doll. And on average, about one politician a day uses the gym. That is according to figures that were released earlier this year. So it isn't a well-used gym. So obviously someone has decided that they've, maybe it's the one person using the gym, that they're looking at this gym and saying, look, we have this gym, we have this facility in Dáil Air and it's there for the TDs, it's there for the senators. Maybe in order to encourage people to use it, we will 
put in an on-site fitness instructor. So that's what they've done. That's what the tender has gone out for an on-site fitness instructor who will go into the doll gym. The gym is already there and they'll be available during opening hours. So the fitness room is open 27 and a half hours a week during the sitting weeks uh, for the Dáil and Senate and then it's at 18 and a half hours during the non-sitting weeks. Now it seems the Houses of the Oireachtas Commission have invested heavily in fitness for its own members and staff in recent years. Last October it saw tenders for the new gym equipment that was worth 100,000 plus VAT and the advertisement for the services of fitness instructor notes that a further upgrade of gym equipment is likely over the course of the four year contract period and between 12 and 15 people can comfortably use the gym at any one time. The average number of users monthly is 400 with mornings and lunchtime considered peak times but previous figures show just 8% of visits were from elected members. The rest was from Leinster House staff. So when we're saying only one politician has used the gym that does not mean the gym has not been used. It has been used by the other, the rest of the Leinster House staff. So the gym and do I take it the fitness instructor is going to be not just for the politicians. Obviously the fitness instructor I'm assuming will be for the staff as well. But Mary, a tad annoyed that that's going on. That kind of money can be spent on the gym in the Dáil. And yet we've had our poor daughter have to contact us, had to write that letter to Minister Jim Daly to try to get a little bit of home help hours. Yeah, it seems wrong, doesn't it? And, you know, it isn't just the gym in the Dáil. The one that had my jaw on the floor made the Sunday papers yesterday, the Sunday Independent, revealing the amount of money that has been spent by the state-owned Dublin Port Company and their chairperson. Outside of what this guy has been paid, it's the chief executive, the amount of money he spent on his credit card for in 2018, last year. Eamon O'Reilly, who is, and I'm sure he's a very hard working man, he is the chief executive of the Dublin Port. He spent 95,000 on his credit card in one year. 95,000. Now, that wasn't all, according to the Sunday Independent yesterday. There was also 200,000 which was spent to commission and for the performance of a special piece of music for a ferry launch. Now, it was Donald Lunny got that gig and well done to Donald Lunny, but it's a lot of money, isn't it, to commission a piece of music and then to use it to launch a ferry from Dublin Port and then the really galling one. Seven million euro was spent on revamping the port facilities to open it up more to the inner city and to develop a garden. Now I like the idea of opening it up to the inner city but there was an awful lot of money. It it was some kind of a walled garden or something and seven million in total was spent there. The Dublin Port Authorities have said they stand over all the spendings as both correct and appropriate and then they they insist they were all included in their audited uh, accounts. An incredible sum of money. It really is an incredible sum of money because, you know, and I accept people get paid and I accept that they they get a credit card in which to for their expenses and all of that. But that just seems like a staggering sum of money to spend in one year. £95,000. Most people would feel if they had £95,000 by way of a wage or a salary 
they'd be thinking they were doing well. This is on top of this guy's salary. I don't know what he's, I don't know if, if I can see here. It, do, I, do I actually have the figures on what his salary uh, is? It probably was there at uh, some stage. But this, this, was just, this is just the credit card. This was just the expenses on the, cre- the credit card. And it was, it was jaw-dropping, absolutely jaw-dropping to read in the Sunday Independent the amount of money spent by the Dublin Port uh, Authority and I'm sure we haven't heard the last of that particular story either and now that comes on the back of a fitness instructor to be paid €1,600 over four years to work at the Dahl Gym. 1850 Your thoughts welcomed on that. We mentioned cycling in the last hour when we had a caller who suggested out driving at the weekend. A lot of people out cycling. It's the time of year for it. We like to see people get fit and healthy as they do in the Dahl. Get them on their bikes, get them out cycling. And someone had suggested flashing red lights on your bike all the time, night and day, should be brought in by law to allow for motorists in the distance to be able to see the cyclists up ahead. Jim and Kinsale says there needs to be more regulation involving cyclists. Jim often sees cyclists riding two and three abreast. It is simply not possible to pass them out. The Road Safety Authority advert that's doing the rounds at the moment on TV is telling people you need to leave five feet when passing cyclists. It's impossible on some of our roads and it's the narrow roads is where, and it's usually on the narrow roads at the weekend, the cyclists are out doing their training. A lot of them will be training for, you know, the various cycle races that will be coming up during the summer and some of them, they're excellent and they're used in many cases to raise money for various charities and, and they really are terrific cycles but people have to go out and train for them and that's where you'll see people out in the evening time and Saturday and Sunday busy, busy with the cyclists. Lot of, most cyclists I think are good. They'll try and go single file and they'll also try and pull in if they think there's a backlog of ca- cars before them but Jim and Kinsale is right. If you're on very rural areas it's impossible to abide by what the RSA say of the five foot rule but also for cyclists they need to accommodate the people driving the cars as well we all have to try to learn live in harmony both the cyclists and the motorists when they're when we're out on the roads and it's trying to get that balance of that harmony Jonathan and Glamire says I was watching a TV show over the weekend and they had a similar discussion going on about cyclists they had a guy on from the Netherlands on how they handle cycling with traffic in their country and what they do is they separate cars and bikes. They have cycle lanes but they are separate to the traffic lanes. They do not run side by side like we have here in Cork or bike lanes whereby a car was to cross the bike lane to change lanes in the Netherlands are completely separate network whereby there could be a tiny ditch or grass verge or concrete to separate the cyclists and the motorists and that's done mainly for safety. So why do we not do that here? Instead of pushing the cycle lanes everywhere, minimising traffic lanes, which is only leading to accidents. And actually a few weeks ago, when the, remember my trip to Belarus and I was coming back from Belarus, we had a day in Amsterdam. Our flight got into Amsterdam quite early and our connecting flight to Cork wasn't until that night. So we went into Amsterdam for the day just to go for lunch and to kill some time. And it's the one thing I noticed was, and I've been to Amsterdam before, this, they do cycling very well, but they've always done cycling very well. They've invested in it and a lot of people way more people cycle than would even have cars in Amsterdam and Jonathan and Glamour is right it's completely separate lanes and they all abide by there's traffic lights for the bike lanes and everybody stops 
and you're more likely to get knocked down by a bicycle than you are by a car in Amsterdam and in the Netherlands. But as I say, they've been doing that for years. We are a long way in this country from having a system like that in place. That certainly is uh, for sure. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103 with a reminder to you that we are looking for your nutritional questions to put to Annalise Drussell from the Health Hub in Times Square. We'll do that after half past 12 today. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. There is a summer faith camp running at Mallow Youth Centre from the 2nd through to the 5th of July, 10.30 to 3.30 each day for ages 5 to 14. You book at 086 8031126 and the cost is 40 euro for the first child and 20 for each additional child. There's a blood donor clinic in the Fernhill House Hotel in Clonakilty today between 5 pm and 8:30 and tomorrow Tuesday 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 tomorrow night. There will be a monster bingo on tomorrow Tuesday half past 8 in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. The proceeds will go towards the Make-A-Wish Foundation and your support would be gratefully appreciated. And to celebrate the 5th annual International Yoga Day, there will be a free yoga event at Boerbury Comprehensive School this Wednesday between from 6am to 7am, followed by light refreshments. There will also be a slow cycle race at 7.30am. Please bring along your own yoga mat and your own bike if you're going to take part in the cycle race. And the annual Corpus Christi procession in Mallow will take place this Thursday after 7pm Mass in St. Mary's Church. All are welcome to take part. C103 invites you to take a seat for Mick Flannery's Evening Train. Experience a mix of vibrant dance and opera with a different wolf. And join the party for a bite and a boogie at the public kitchen. Cork Midsummer Festival has entertainment for everyone. Experience a celebration of the arts from June 13th to 23rd. See CorkMidsummer.com for more. Cork Midsummer Festival with C103. I have to say the doll gym is making uh, people very uh, irate. Let me give you some of uh, the thoughts uh, coming in. Hello. uh, Hi Trish. The government should hang their heads in shame. They're a disgrace to our country reducing home helps when it's already in uh, crisis are they stupid or what thanking you Patricia and yet they can find money to put in a fitness instructor into the gym uh, Mary in Mallow says I did Mary's Fran in Art Patrick says uh, I know I'm a bit tongue in cheek about the gym instructor they would do better to employ a hypnotist they would need a few of them in there and make them, that might make them do something useful to hypnotise them instead, says Fran and Patrick, Larry and Carrick Tool. How many workplaces have a gym? I'm fuming, particularly after hearing that email you read out about that poor woman and her dad trying to get home help. None of this makes sense. And Catherine in Carrigaline says, no wonder their ratings are going down the opinion polls. If this is the way they're spending our money, they can't afford to pay nurses a decent wage. No home helps, but they can afford a personal trainer for the gym in the doll. It seems utterly nuts. And then a couple of other uh, have rang in pointing out, did we see the piece 
about the amount of money that's been spent by the Gardaí on immigration officers. They spent thousands of euro every week on luxury business class flights while returning home from deporting illegal emigrants from this country. The Department of Justice have released details of flights under the Freedom of Information and they say business class fares are booked while repatriating deportees where it is deemed a security risk for the Garda to leave an airport. These flight tickets for the return leg of the journey allow the Garda National Immigration Bureau officers to stay in the airport lounge in the country where they're leaving the deportee of the dozens of business class trips after chaperoning illegal emigrants to their returned destinations last year. Several were to cities in Europe, including flights to Frankfurt, listed as costing 19,600 and separately 3,800. There was also fares to Amsterdam, reaching 11,000. The Department of Justice said the Frankfurt flight cost, cost is that one flight? Cost 19,600 euro. Okay. It covered four Immigration officers travelling back from Lagos, which is Nigeria's largest city. The 11,000 ticket and the 7,300 t- flight tickets, they were from Amsterdam. They were also return flights from Lagos and it covered three officers. Records show that all business class flights to Abu Dhabi cost €6,000. And the frequent business class flights to Istanbul took tens of thousands of euros. I mean, really, really, that's incredible, the amount of money that has been used there. And I know that they have to, the deportee has to be escorted back. But really, do they have to go, do they have to come back on a first class ticket? I can see the point. They need to protect the officer and all of that. But surely there's another way around that there must be could they come up with some agreement that they could stay in the lounge at the airport but do they really need to be spending that kind of money on first class and business class uh, flights it does seem absolutely a staggering sum of money okay can I just quickly just to recap on some of the comments that came in earlier that I didn't get to on the Garda story funny enough another Garda story that I mentioned earlier and this time the Magella Moynihan the young woman who became pregnant back in the early 80s she is a native of Kentucky. she became pregnant in 1984 as a trainee Garda she was forced to give her child up for adoption but the, the sting in the tale of this story was that she was charged by the Gardaí for becoming, for having pre, premarital sex with another Garda and a second count of having a birth to a child outside of wedlock and people are just talking about, you know, changed t- times uh, in which we live. Some of your calls uh, coming in. John in Castletown Roach says if uh, Patricia remembers being a journalist 35 years ago, she will well, well remember. There was no freedom of information at the time. Hindsight is a great teacher. No one knew at the time what was happening and no one questioned what was happening at the time. What happened in the past is only coming to light now. Thank to freedom of information what happened was appalling and I don't disagree but looking back this is what went on at that time no one questioned them 
would it ever be known only for this brave woman coming forward? Unfortunately, Ireland was a polling place in the early 1980s. Yeah, and I did say that at the outset. If I could give a brave reward to Magella um, Moynihan, that's exactly what I would do. Mary and Rath Cool is taken aback. Why did she have to give her baby up for adoption in 1984? Um, had, were her parents not alive? How dare the guard they do that to a woman? Well, her backstory was she, her mother died when she was only a baby. She ended up, she was raised in an orphanage, bless her heart, herself. Uh, the orphanage uh, in Mallow. Her dad was alive, but, you know, remember you're, and I don't know if the man is still alive now, the 80s is a very different era. Now, the unmarried mother's allowance, as it was known, was in at that stage. But that, without family support, that still wasn't enough to raise a child on. So, and she, if she had decided to have kept the child, I don't think there would have been, she certainly wouldn't have remained on with the rules and regulations that were in place as a member of Vanguard, the Shia Kona. So no, I suppose she wasn't. She certainly wasn't in a position that she would, she would have been able to have supported herself. And Con, thank you uh, Mary for your call. Con says uh, it shouldn't be overlooked either that her own superintendent at the, her station she was based in Dublin was very, very supportive of her. He wrote letters saying what a great member of Vanguard, the Shia Kona she was. Sometimes the rotten apples can be higher up. So these guys, now the chief supers at the time who went after others like Magella, many of those would probably be in their 70s and 80s and possibly some of them are still alive today. They are the ones should be brought back out and made to answer for the decisions they made at the time. But again, I suppose the argument would be put forward. It was a very different uh, era. But maybe they are the ones who should do the apologising. Uh, thanks for that. Somebody says, uh, Trisha, John O'Donovan earlier on was saying he could understand what happened. It was the rules and regulations at the time. He said, someone says, hi Trisha, I would be interested in John O'Donovan's thoughts on the £90 fine that the father of the baby uh, got. And Morning says another WhatsApper, this line of questioning that the female Garda faced was very, very similar to the line of questioning which Joanne Hayes of the Kerry baby case faced. Clearly not an isolated case. And that would have been the same era as well. And you're right, it was the very same type of uh, questioning. And some of your texts in Tim says, if we have an archbishop telling the Garda commissioner at the time about employing recruits, we must have had the holiest police force in the world. Wasn't Morris McCabe McCabe, lucky to have had such moral superiors? The father of the child, when he was found out, was fined £90. No need of an archbishop there. Also, the Garda would not comment on disciplinary issues before the programme, but following the programme, they're all rushing out to apologise now, says uh, Tim. Isn't that interesting? And Pat says, Morning Patricia, Charlie Flanagan has been involved with government for over 30 years and now, how come it now, it's only now he decides to apologise? And and now he and Jim Daly want to charge the elderly for their home help and we can't be having that. And yet we have Fianna Fall backing them up, says Pat. I don't know what you mean by charging for home help, other than, I suppose, forcing people to go for private home help when they simply can't afford, when they simply can't wait to, for, to be clinically dying before you get home help the way it is at the moment. And Sheila says, Patricia, in a way, society hasn't changed that much because people will never mind their own business. If Magella had got married back then, they'd still be gossiping about her saying, oh, look, she had to get married in a hurry. It was a shotgun wedding. It was fine for married people to have babies every nine months 
and many of them were starving at the time and didn't have the money to feed their children but the Catholic Church said they had to go on and have babies they didn't have access to contraception if Magella got to me if Magella gets to meet her son, I wish her all the best, says Sheila. She did get to meet her. She just said that at the first meeting, it was very nervous and she felt that the son was very angry with her. But she since has developed a relationship with, because she has a 21-year-old son as well, and she has a relationship. I don't know what kind of relationship she has, but maybe maybe she'll come forward and, and we'll talk more because I think there is a huge outpouring of support for Magella since she decided to tell her story with this documentary and I think that will give her courage and we're putting feelers out to see would she be available to talk to us I would love I would really love to have a really in-depth conversation with Magella uh, Moyne and as I say we're putting feelers out to see if we can make contact with her and if anybody knows of her because I'm very aware that she was born in Cantork and I would assume there's probably some family members still there um, we would certainly love to have her on the, on the programme if, if that is a possibility 1850 we are looking for your questions for Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist. Please get those in. Just a few more minutes left to get those in. Text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. And somebody says by WhatsApp, Hi Patricia, get this, it's sick. I was parked in Bandon Town last week. It was in the morning and I was parked down by a river. A man, I would say possibly in his 60s, was out walking a small dog. The dog done a poo. The man produced a tissue, picked it up and guess what? Threw it and the tissue into the river. Unbelievable. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joins us on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Uh, and you're very welcome. Let me get straight into questions. The listener says, my daughter has been diagnosed with glandular fever. Uh, any suggestions, Annalise, is what we can do to help her? Mm, difficult one, yes. So glandular fever, it actually can be rife, Patricia, um, around sort of the end of the school year. They also call it the kissing disease because it's passed a lot via saliva. So a lot of kids might pick it up when they share water bottles, you know, when they're training or at matches. Yeah. And what it, I mean, it's a, it's, it, it's a virus that it's called glandular fever because it can swell and affect the glands. But I mean, the, I suppose the big outside, downside of it is the, the fatigue and that fatigue can remain. So you can end up with post-viral fatigue after glandular fever. So... I think what's really important is to support the immune system and to use antivirals as much as possible to try and get rid of the virus fully. I mean, it can lie, it can remain. Often I would notice as well that people who develop autoimmune disorders later on in life have had glandular fever early in life. Now, there's no direct connection, but it does seem to be, um, it does, it seems to occur more in people who've had glandular fever later in life. So you really just want to, you want to knock that virus and support the immune system. So I think in the case of glandular fever, one of the best things uh, for an antiviral is, uh, is actually to use mushrooms. Mushrooms are very high in a number of different compounds, but particularly one called beta-glucans. And beta-glucans have a wonderful effect on the immune system because they can stimulate the immune side that fights viruses and bacteria but they can also help to regulate an immune system in an autoimmune condition. So they help to seemingly calm down the side of the immune system 
that is fighting itself almost. So they're wonderful. And the Chinese have been using mushroom in mushrooms and medicine for over 3,000 years. They've only really started to come um, into Western medicine in the last probably 10 years. And still people are a little bit anxious about taking them. But I think they're amazing in terms of supporting the immune system. So there is a company called Hifaz Datera, and they make various different mushroom blends uh, for a different mushroom function. And they, it's important that the company you choose for the uh, mushrooms is very good because mushrooms will take the toxins out of the soil. So if they've been grown somewhere where there's a lot of chemicals in the soil or if there's fallout from a nuclear plant or anything like that, they will have those toxins in them. So make sure that um, that you are getting them from an organic source where it, um, they've been grown on proper soil. So this company are the one I stock here in the shop. They're wonderful. And the one you're looking for is something called Biodefense. Um, and that is fantastic for people with um, glandular fever, Epstein-Barr virus, and it's also great for immune system, um, for autoimmune system disorders like sarcoidosis or, or rheumatoid arthritis or anything like that. Um, and then I think another one that's great for the immune system is echinacea. So that will get your T fight, your T cells fighting. That's not to be taken in the case of autoimmune disease, but this is more for glandular fever. So Dr. Delish Clare, who actually will be here this Friday at 10 o'clock to do um, an in-store demonstration, she has an immune blend that has echinacea, amongst other things in there, and it is wonderful. At the first sight of a sniffle, I start taking that, and it seems to ward it off for me all the time. Okay, a question for Annalise, please. Brown spots on my legs. They're not itchy, but I wonder what's causing them. And sometimes my legs feel hot. So it's hard to know actually what that is, Patricia. Like brown spots could be like what we would know as liver spots or age spots. You know, so I wonder is it and are they, because sun damage? Because they're normally on your hands, but you can get them on your legs as well, you can, can you? I think yeah. from sun okay. damage. You know, I have seen them on, on people that would, would be tanning an awful lot. Um, and I think you can now the other the other thing as well they're also called liver spots because sometimes if your liver is under pressure um, your skin has to act as a detoxifying organ and you can start getting little blackish spots coming out through the skin but again that would be more often again the hands um, so the legs is unusual um, otherwise maybe it's, I don't know is it moles um, or is something called actinic keratosis which is not fully like a mole because it has no root but it is, has got a brown spot effect and that again is from sun damage. So I suppose the best thing to do is go down to your doctor, get it checked out, make sure it's not a strange mole or anything that you need to be worried about. Um, and then um, if they kind of get a hot at times, I'm, I'm not sure if that's just in the area of the spots or if that's the whole legs. Some people do get something called burning feet syndrome and it can be a deficiency of a B vitamin. So maybe take a B complex if it's the case all the time. Uh, but if it's in the area of the brown spots, I would say definitely you need to go and get those checked out by the doctor. OK, on WhatsApp. Um, hi, what is Annalise's opinion on protein powder and skin problems? Is there a link? I think there might be um, in certain cases. Um, I suppose I could make a link with anything if I wanted to, Patricia. But yeah. I have to say protein powder wouldn't be one of my favourite things because I see a lot of young um, kids taking a lot of protein powder. And, you know, we really don't need that much. Um, and it does put the kidneys under huge stress in order to, to get rid of protein that we don't need. So I think um, the rule of thumb typically for protein powder is, especially for young people, is only take it 
when you're training. Um, and do not overdo it. One scoop is plenty uh, unless your diet is very low in protein. The reason that it might be linked with skin problems uh, um, could be to do with the whey. If it's a whey protein, some people don't tolerate cow, cow's milk very well and it's generally the proteins that cause the problem because the immune system actually looks at the sequence of amino acids in the protein and gets confused and think it's maybe like a virus or a bacteria and will mount an immune response. So that can often be, uh, I've often seen cow's milk as a cause of eczema and dermatitis. So possibly um, the, the very fact that it's concentrated whey maybe is just an overload for this person. Maybe otherwise it would just be an intolerance and the skin would be fine. So I reckon cut it out um, and try and get extra protein just through your diet. Um, eggs are a good way of getting it. Avocados, nuts chicken breast, fish, they're all great ways of getting protein in your diet and you can get quite a lot from an egg, you know, you don't need to take it through a processed protein supplement. Hi Annalise, a 12 year old has hit puberty and suffering from headaches, tiredness and the oily T-zone. Overall, okay diet. Any advice on what we could be doing to help him? Yeah, so is it a he, Patricia? It's a he, so it probably is hormonal. Um, It can be hormonal. I think a big thing with um, hormones is and headaches, Patricia's the liver. A lot of women as well will start experiencing headaches coming up to their periods and it's because the liver is now having to detoxify hormones um, and it, it, it means that it's much easier to trigger a headache. So in the case of this person, it's possibly a hormonal thing. So, um, you know, maybe support the liver. I think that sulfur is a fantastic liver support for detoxifying hormones. It's also wonderful for the skin. Um, and it's also wonderful, actually, for joints. It's a part of cartilage, too. So it's a lovely all-rounder, and you can buy it in a powder in the health shop, or you can buy it in as a homeopathic remedy, or you can buy it as tablets. So I reckon try that one first, because it might help with the skin, and it also might help with the headaches. But sometimes people do develop headaches once they, you know, once they go into puberty and migraines, um, And they can be very hard to get a handle on, Patricia, sometimes. But one of the things that seems to work quite well if it's a full-blown migraine is uh, to take a vitamin vitamin B2 tablet. You need, it's called uh, riboflavin, is vitamin B2. And you need about 400 milligrams a day, which is a very high dose. But it can be wonderful for people who suffer migraines on a regular basis. And there's also a new product on the market now um, by Biocult, who make that lovely um, probiotic for the gut, They've now made a probiotic for people who suffer from headaches. And it seems to work on the brain-gut link. It's called Migrea, M-I-G-R-E-A. And it's by a company called Biocult. And you'll find it in the probiotics section. Uh, It's also got a bit of magnesium in there as well and a bit of vitamin B2. So there's a few things in there that will help with headaches. Okay, lots of advice there. I'm 60 years old, says Monica, and I'm wondering any reason why my nails have become so brittle. Is that an age thing? Do you know what, Patricia? I've never, since I opened the shop five years ago, I've never seen so many people in with brittle nails um, in the last six months. And I started questioning myself, was it something to do with the water? Have they started increasing the fluoride in the water, in local water supplies. I don't know. I mean, fluoride would would block the absorption of iodine and would block the absorption of calcium as well. And it can lead to brittle nails and thyroid insufficiency. But again, you know, lots of people who might have their own well water, that wouldn't apply to them. So 
I think the best thing to do is take a biotin supplement. It's great for strengthening up the nails. Um, sometimes your nails will suffer if you've been very run down. So if this lady has been maybe um, sick for the course of the winter, possibly it could be just a sign that she's run down. So the biotin is a very good place to start. Another thing that happens with age as well is that we produce less stomach acid and it becomes harder for us to digest protein. And of course, we need good protein to, digest, um, to grow healthy, strong nails. So if she started noticing that when she eats steak, if she feels it sits in her stomach for a very long time, or if there's more constipation than there was in the past, um, or if there's the silent but deadly variety of wind, taking a digestive enzyme with a little bit of stomach acid in there can just help kickstart the whole process of digestion properly and will have the knock-on effect of improving the quality of your nails and hair as well. Joan is on for her husband. She said he is is finding himself very weak with no energy. He's eating and sleeping fine. Could it be a viral infection? If so, how do you treat it? It could be. Gosh, Patricia, it's so difficult to know. I think that lots of people are suffering at the moment from energy and I suppose lack of get up and go and it's because we haven't come into our proper summer yet. So um, I think a blood test is always a good thing to start off with to make sure there's no vitamin D deficiency um, or iron or B12. And then maybe take a tonic like the Source of Life Gold I often recommend for an energy kick. There's some ginseng in there. So it wouldn't be suitable for people that have uncontrolled high blood pressure, but it's fine if your blood pressure is controlled. Um, and it's great because that ginseng gives you an immediate boost. And there's a lot of stuff in there, including mushroom extracts, that will help boost the immune system and boost the all overall nutrition. So go and get the bloods checked. Try a tonic of that. And if that is not working, then it is possible there's some kind of lingering viral thing that's going on. OK, could you give the name of the mushroom herb again for Esther? So she missed the, it. Yeah, it's by a company called Hifas da Terra, H-I-F-A-S da T-E-R-R-A. It's a Spanish company and it's called Biodefense. Bio, Biodefense. Bio and, and Mags says, hi Patricia, could you ask Annalise where I could find an lymphatic massage therapist? My friend needs one after her post-cancer operation. I'm looking for one in the Mallow area, but would be willing to travel to surrounding areas. Thank you very much. Could Annalise could recommend someone lymphatic massage therapist it's a difficult one Patricia and if anybody rings in with a good um, a, a name of a good uh, lymphatic massage therapist I'd love that number for the shop here because okay. I often so. would recommend people to go and have a lymphatic drainage massage but it's very hard to find a person who can do it now, yeah, I knew of one many years ago, but that was down in West Cork. But I don't, I, I don't know if I've heard yeah. of one in North Cork either. And it's wonderful as well for people who, you know, especially if they've had lymph glands removed after yeah. cancer treatment yeah. as well. Now, the other thing that works brilliantly is um, reflexology. And there is a superb reflexologist here in Balancholic called Anne Corcoran. And she also does some lymphatic drainage massage. I, it wouldn't be her specialty, but she's definitely with the reflexology. I can recommend her highly. So if anybody wants her number, um, her name is Anne Corcoran. She's in the Balancholic area. You'd probably find her if you Google her. But otherwise, just ring the shop and I'll, I'll find her number here. OK, and, I'll, and, I'll give it out. and in the meantime, if anybody knows lymphatic massage therapist working in the North Cork area, ideally, but even in the city, let us know, please. Hi, Annalise. Any good supplement for tired, heavy legs, says Anne. So the tired, heavy legs can either be a magnesium deficiency or could also be an iron deficiency. So the, probably the best thing to do is just, first of all, is to 
try the magnesium. And there's lots of different magnesiums now that you'll find when you go into the health shop or even probably into the supermarket because it has become very fashionable. Um, So what you want is one that's very well absorbed. So you're either looking for a a citrate at the most basic level, so magnesium citrate, or there's another one that's called magnesium biglycinate. And that is, that probably is even better absorbed as well. The biglycinate is wonderful as well at night time because it helps you relax and get a very nice sleep and rest. So, um, and I have a practitioner one that I use in the shop as well called Mega Mag Muscle Ease. And that is a wonderful one. It's by a company called Nutri Advanced. But you'll have to get that through a practitioner. Um, and that probably would be a good place to start. The other thing, Patricia, as well, is could it possibly be varicose veins? So if it's varicose veins, then horse chestnut is the answer. And you can either take the horse chestnut as a supplement or you can get it as a gel and you can rub it into the leg. So if, if varicose veins are tired and throbby, that is just so soothing, that gel put it into the fridge and put it on cold and uh, it can help shrink, shrink down the veins as well. Mary says, what is the best joint care to use? I heard glucosamine can raise blood pressure. I'm on one tablet a day, says Mary. So the glucosamine is probably one the one that's been around for the longest, Patricia. It's been, oh God, I think, I mean, it's probably been 40 or 50 years of anecdotal evidence to say that people find it's wonderful for arthritis. So, it does. It's a component of the cartilage, so it helps build up your cartilage um, and prevent the wear and tear. It takes time for it to kick in. I wouldn't worry massively. It wouldn't be the biggest um, risk factor. I think if you are taking it and you find your blood pressure goes up, then it is a worry. But I would say that that is probably one in a thousand people that it might happen to. So just keep an eye if you're taking it on your blood pressure, get it checked. And if it's gone up, then possibly it could be at cause. It's more likely to actually cause a bit of stomach upset because it can be a little bit hard to digest and it can take three to six months to notice the benefit. So that would be the most basic level. But if you can't take glucosamine, you can go up a level and take things like collagen or um, hyaluronic acid. Now, the collagen is what makes up your cartilage and the hyaluronic acid is part of your cartilage but also part of that little cushion that lies in between our joints um, in within the synovial membrane. So there's a number of supplements that will have that in it. I know that the Irish company Revive Active, they make a very good joint complex that has both of those in it. There's another uh, much cheaper one but still I get good, good feedback on it called Movial Plus, M-O-V-I-A-L Plus and that comes in a capsule. It's not as strong, so I think it's probably better for people who are just at the beginning of wear and tear or who are doing a lot of sport and they find that they're a little bit creaky. Whereas I think if you're in pain, I think the Revive Active has much higher concentrations okay. of both. Very quickly, gel for the veins and the legs that you called out so getting calls horse, in. It's a horse chestnut gel. So Dr. Dealish Clare does a cream actually. And also Dr. A. Vogel has got the gel and you'll get the Dr. Vogel's gel in any health shop. OK, and a grateful listener in Drummahan says, Annalise mentioned uh, a visit by Dr. Uh, Claire Dealish next uh, Friday. Is it in Annalise's shop? Thanks for yes, the information. Yes, it here, is. It's here in the health hub. So we're opposite the cinema in Balancholic. Um, and Dr. Uh, what Claire, time will she be there? She'll be here from at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, meeting and, you know, and talking about her product. So it's a great time to come along and ask any questions and she on is we had, we had her on you, you, uh, thankfully you set it up for us uh, last year 
goodness, she's a mind of information. Oh, she's, she's somebody fab. you could she's talk a, to all she's, day. She's lovely. She's a lovely one because she's a GP as yeah, well as a medical I think that's, yeah, yeah, and I think that's what attracts so many people to her. Listen, we leave it there. Uh, enjoy your day with uh, Dr. Delish Clare. And thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Annalise Drussell, who runs the Health Hub Times Square in uh, Balancolic. And she will be back with us next Monday answering your nutritional questions. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you uh, tomorrow. And my apologies that we didn't get to. I can see so many questions come in from uh, Annalise, but it happens week on week. Uh, we never, unfortunately, get to, we get to answer as many of them as uh, we possibly can. But thank you for taking the time to call or contact us. Talk to you tomorrow at 10 until then I'm Patricia Messenger. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 